Welcome to Easter Online at Village Church. My name is Michael Fueling. I'm the lead pastor here, and I am so glad that you are joining with us today to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, on Easter Sunday, all over the globe, in fact, over the past couple hundred years, pastors like myself get up in front of our congregation, and we say this, He is risen. And then the church, the congregation, responds in unity and with joy, and they say, He is risen indeed. Now, Village Church, we say all the time, awkward is awesome. So whether you are alone or with, whether you're with friends or family, uh, I want to invite you, if you're willing, to respond when I say he is risen with, he is risen indeed. So I'm going to read some scriptures. I'm going to make that proclamation, and then we're going to respond in unity together. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified He is not here. He is risen. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is coming into the world. He is risen. John says this after he sees the resurrected and the glorified Jesus Christ. He says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead, but he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades. Village Church, he is risen Amen. Let's pray together. Uh, Father, thank you that Jesus is not dead, but is fully alive. Father, thank you that just as Jesus was raised, so one day we too will be raised. Jesus, you have overcome sin and Satan and death and hell, and we give you all glory and we celebrate you today. Thank you that our unity in Jesus transcends our ability to be physically present with our church We thank you, we worship you, and we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, before we jump into the message, I want to take a moment and just talk to our Village Church family. Um, I love you so much, and I am so sad that we do not have the ability to be present in person together. Uh, But no virus, uh, no pandemic is going to stop the people of God from celebrating the crucifixion and the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus. So I want to thank you for joining us online, and let's worship God together and open up his word together. Now, I want to invite you to go back in time with me to the Garden of Eden. This is the place where Jesus himself, God, dwelt with man. In fact, God walked with man in the cool of the day. Adam and Eve were made in the image of God in his likeness. God loved them, called them his children. And Satan was also in the garden. This is actually one of the conundrums of of history in the Bible. And here's what we find, that Satan hated God with a fiery passion and therefore hated humanity because we were made in the image and the likeness of God. Now, I don't know what happened in eternity past, but here's what I do know. I do know that Satan had an inner hatred for the people of God and would do whatever he could to destroy them. In fact, here's what the book of John says. John says this, the thief, and this is Jesus's words for Satan. The thief comes only to steal 
and kill and destroy. This is his objective with humanity. And I love that Jesus puts himself in distinction to Satan. And he says, he says this, but I came that they might have life and have it abundantly, not just now, but throughout, throughout all of eternity. Let's go back to the garden. Adam and Eve, they are in perfect harmony with each other and with God. And Satan heard God say something really important. He heard him make a promise to Adam and Eve. And the promise was this. If you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. And as soon as Satan heard that, he put a plan into motion to trick Adam and Eve into eating this fruit. Remember, he hated them and his objective with them was to steal and to kill and destroy. And here's what we find in the garden. We find this catastrophic moment in human history where sin entered into creation and corrupted us. Now, let's just look around at this world for a moment. Everything is a little bit more chaotic than we are used to. Uh, We are seeing viruses and pandemics spread globally. We're hearing about more and more people who are dying and suffering. We don't know what to think about the future. We don't know whether to believe the news. It's as bad as they say. We, We just actually don't know a whole lot of things right now. We do know that global anxiety is higher than it has been in a very, very long time. We know that our entire lives have been broken up and nothing is really normal right now. And what we're seeing are the effects of sin all around us. Now, uh, my personal conviction is that no, no worldview makes sense of the crazy that we see around us, like the Christian worldview. And the Christian worldview roots us right back here in the garden. God responded and said something in the presence of Satan after the fall, after sin, and, and he said something really amazing. It was this promise that I want to draw your attention to. And the promise was this, I will crush, I will defeat Satan, I will crush his head. I will defeat him by one of the offspring of Adam and Eve. In this very moment, as soon as God made this promise, he knew that Adam and Eve, one of their offspring, would defeat him and crush him permanently. But here's the deal. He did not know who he was going to be. You got to remember, Satan is not omniscient. Satan is not God. Satan is a created being. Satan has limitations. And Satan knew that eventually, someday, that there would be an offspring that would crush his head. I'm going to fast forward to Cain and Abel. These are the two sons of Adam and Eve. And if you remember the story, Satan put it into the heart of Cain to kill Abel. Abel was the righteous one. And and Satan was probably guessing, I can imagine, like which one of the kids is it going to be? Is it going to be these guys? And so Satan puts it in Cain's heart to kill him. But Abel wasn't the one. Fast forward with me to Pharaoh and Israel's newborn. Uh, We have the time of Moses. God made a promise that he was going to free the people of Israel after about a 400-year period. Right as this period was coming to an end, God or Satan put it into the heart of Pharaoh to kill all the newborn children of the people of Israel. Why? Because he didn't know which one of these young baby boys was going to be the one to crush his head. But he had a hunch, maybe this is going to be it. Uh, Moses ended up coming out of this. And we find that no matter what he tried to do, you could not stop the plan of God. Uh, Fast forward a little bit further in the Old Testament, and you find that as Israel makes their way into the promised land, all the nations around them have this vile, disgusting, evil religious practice where Satan tricked these cultures into sacrificing their firstborn sons in exchange for blessings and prosperity. And the Israelites were constantly drawn to this practice in really powerful ways. Fast forward even further. Jesus is born. I want, I want to make something clear. When Jesus was in the garden and made those promises to Adam and Eve in front of Satan, uh, I want you to catch this. Jesus was God, is God, always has been. Jesus created Satan. 
But I don't think in that time that Satan had a category that Jesus was going to be the offspring of Adam and Eve who would crush his head. Now, by the time we get to the birth of Christ, the, the, the angels and the demons knew exactly who this baby was. From the moment God became flesh in Jesus Christ, Satan finally knew who would be the one, the promised one from Adam and Eve to crush his head and to, to defeat him with finality. And so from that moment on, Satan set his mind to kill Jesus. Uh, at this time, you found that Herod uh, set in motion a plan to kill all the children of Bethlehem, hoping to crush out and snuff out the Messiah. Fast forward, you have Jesus in the wilderness as his earthly ministry is starting, and Satan visits him in the wilderness uh, after he has been fasting for 40 days and says, throw yourself off the temple. And he's trying to get Jesus, trick him into killing himself. We fast forward again in the, the New Testament and the Gospels. We see that Satan has put it in the hearts of the Pharisees to plot against Jesus to kill him. We go even further. Satan puts it in the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. Satan has an objective, and his objective is to crush Jesus before Jesus can crush him. We finally get to the crucifixion where Jesus is ultimately executed. And here's been my, my question. Did Satan understand that he fell right into the trap, into the plan of God? I don't know. But here's what I do know. Something really interesting happened on Saturday. On Saturday, what happened is, is the disciples and the followers of Christ were broken and they were crushed and they were sad. But Jesus was up to something in the spiritual realm. Jesus was preaching and proclaiming. And listen to what 1 Peter chapter 3 says. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Watch this. In which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. We don't exactly know who the spirits in prison are, but we know it's not good. And here's what we know. On Saturday, Jesus went out of his way to go to those spirits and to proclaim victory and to tell them exactly what was going to happen. He was going to be raised on the third day because nothing could defeat Jesus or keep him down. And then we find Sunday morning. Here's what the Apostle Paul says about Sunday morning in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He's the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, that was Adam. By a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ, through Christ, by faith in Christ, all shall be made alive. God was making unbelievable declarations through the crucifixion and through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Village Church, I want to just take a moment and I want to encourage you because in this time of pandemic and coronavirus and anxiety and stress and fear, the people of God, we need to root ourselves in truth and what is real and what God says about this present day and what is to come. So Village Church, here's some encouragements for you straight from God's word. Through the resurrection, God declares that Jesus wins over Satan. For millennia, if you're watching the story, it appears as if Satan got the final word. Follower of God after follower of God fell into sin, died, and they never raised again from the dead. And then also we find that there were many, many people who rejected God. They fell into sin, they died, and they ended up being separated from God for all of eternity in hell. Person after person, year after year, decade after decade, century after century, millennia after millennia, it seemed like Satan got the final word. But the resurrection declares that Satan does not get the final word 
Jesus gets the final word. Here's what the book of Colossians says in chapter 2, verse 15. He, Jesus, disarmed the rulers and the authorities. These are biblical words for spiritual rulers and authorities. He disarmed them. He took away all of their power. And he did that on the cross. And then at the resurrection, here's what it says. He put them to open shame by triumphing over them. Jesus Christ got the absolute final word. Satan would not. And though Satan did start uh, by, by introducing sin into this world, he would not get the final word. Jesus Christ would. Well, the resurrection declares, number two, that Jesus wins over death. As we said over millennia, so many people died. In fact, nobody was raised from the dead and stayed alive until Jesus Christ. And so we find is that the resurrection declares that death does not have the final word. It doesn't have the ultimate power, but Jesus has the final word over death. Look at the book of Revelation chapter one. This is the resurrected glorified Jesus speaking to John. And he says this, fear not. I am the first and the last. I'm eternally preexistent and I will always be. I'm the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And listen to this last line. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Here's what he means. I control death. I decide who dies. I am in control of this thing. And Hades is, is, is referencing the afterlife. I determine who goes to hell and who goes to heaven. I am in control. Satan, you don't have the final word. And death, you most certainly don't have the final word. I am in control. I have authority over these things. Uh, let's look at the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. Here's what he says. He looks to the future and to the resurrection. And this is even before Jesus Christ. And he says, those who sleep in the dust of the earth... They shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise, the wise ones are the ones who trust in God. We now know the wise ones are the ones who personally place their faith in Jesus Christ. He says, and those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above. And the Old Testament and the New Testament and the resurrection of Jesus declare that there is coming a day when there will be a resurrection that does not get the final word. And then, and then the Old Testament and the New Testament both declare that everybody is resurrected, but some are resurrected to eternal life, and those are the ones who place their faith in Jesus Christ. Lastly, the resurrection declares that Jesus wins over sin for millennia. Sin took everyone down. It enslaved all of humanity. And for millennia, humanity wondered, is there any victory over this thing? Uh, so many in the world don't even have vocabulary for it, but the Christian worldview in the Bible breaks it in and says, this thing that feels like it controls you and consumes you and takes over your life and ruins you and causes you to want things that you know you really shouldn't want and to do things that you actually deep down inside know you shouldn't be doing, this thing that feels like it's controlling you. For millennia, the people of God and the, and the world have wondered, is there any power? Is there any power over this? And, and here's what we find. The resurrection declares to us, that sin does not get the final word, but Jesus Christ has the final word over sin. Listen to what the book of Acts says in chapter 13. He whom God raised, raised up, did not see corruption. 
Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And what we need first and foremost is for our sins to be forgiven. This happens through faith in Jesus. And then listen to this. By him, Jesus, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Let me say it to you this way. Religion can't free you from sin. Good works, self-help can't free you from sin. It can't forgive you by accumulating good works and it can't free you by self-help and behavior modification. But through trusting in Jesus Christ and in his resurrection, here's what we learn. You can be forgiven by sins, forgiven of your sins, and you can also be set free from the power of sin in your life. And all of this only exclusively happens as you place your faith in Jesus Christ. The resurrection declares that Jesus Christ can resurrect our bodies later, but our souls today. So, Bill Church, all of this, it is ours through faith in Jesus Christ. One of my desires this Easter is just to encourage you and to draw your eyes to Jesus, who is the author and the perfecter of your faith, because this world is causing our eyes to look downward and to maybe even sometimes believe that death or sin or viruses or Satan, that they are going to get the final word. We need to know in the age of virus and pandemic, Jesus has victory over Satan. Jesus has victory over death. Jesus has victory over sin. And Jesus is offering this victory to every single person who places their faith in Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you, if you have never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, today is the absolute greatest day to trust in him. You will remember forever that on Easter Sunday, 2020, you believed in the resurrection of Jesus and his crucifixion for your sins in your place. And I want to encourage you today, if that's a decision that you want to make, we would love to follow up with you. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to resource you. And we'd love to help you really take a next step in your relationship with God. And so follow up with us, fill out out a next step card or a prayer card, and one of our staff or leaders will follow up with you so we can really help you take that next step. Uh, For the rest of you, Village Church, if you have placed your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you this Sunday, live with confidence that the Jesus who conquered sin and and death and Satan is the same God who loves you and is sovereign over this world, is sovereign over your finances, is sovereign over your family, is sovereign over your health. He is a good God. He loves you. And no matter what happens, his promise is that he will always be with you to the very end of the ages and forevermore as you one day and I receive our resurrected bodies. So Village Church, he is risen. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you first and foremost that you love us. Satan seemed to get the final word. Death seemed to get the final word. Sin seemed to get the final word. But you were not content to let them have the final word because you love us and you want us freed from sin. You want us to place our faith in Jesus. You want to give us victory in a spirit of overcoming. And so, Father, I pray for anyone right now who is considering whether or not to place their faith in Jesus Christ. Would you open up their eyes to see the beauty of who you are? Would you open up their hearts to believe that you truly are God in the flesh of Jesus, that you were raised from the dead and that salvation is not by the accumulation of good works, but it is through faith in Christ. God, I pray that you would give those listening and watching right now um, insight into that and that belief from their heart about who you truly are. Um, Father, I pray for um, our church. I pray, God, as we enter into this season of crazy in our world, that we would be a bright, shining light 
men and women and students and children who have an unshakable and unbelievable confidence that the resurrection of Jesus is true and it declares that he has power over the entire world, even viruses. And so Jesus, we love you. We give you all praise, honor, and glory. We do this in your name. Amen. Would you continue to worship with us and celebrate the resurrected Jesus Christ?